Hey, it's Latif from Radio Lab. Our goal with each episode is to make you think, how did I live this long and not know that? Radio Lab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Listen wherever you get podcasts. The universe, let's just say, doesn't add up. What we see is simply not the whole story. The matter that we can detect visually or with other kinds of telescopes and detectors, well, unimaginably huge doesn't explain the behavior of the galaxies and other celestial objects. There must be some invisible dark matter out there to make up the difference, to explain the apparent forces of gravity at work in the cosmos. Physicists call this invisible dark stuff dark matter. Clever breed, eh? And they theorized that this stuff would constitute more than 80% of the matter in the universe. But it's wimpy. That is, it contains wimps, weakly interacting massive particles. That's physics speak for giant, invisible things that don't do much, so we can't find them. But a very sophisticated detector mounted on the International Space Station may have caught a footprint of elusive dark matter. NASA made the announcement yesterday, which, if confirmed, would clarify a lot of the deep mysteries about the ingredients that go into making our universe. Physicist Michio Kaku is here once again to help us understand all of this. He's the author of the New York Times bestseller, Physics of the Future. Michio, welcome back. Glad to be on. So I gather it is positrons that are the culprit that's been caught here. Yes. Uh, if this result holds up, it could be worth a Nobel Prize. In fact, a second Nobel Prize for Dr. Sam Ting. You know, every high school textbook says that the universe is made out of atoms, right? Remember that? Right. In high school, we all learned that, right? Yep. Every textbook could have to be rewritten because we now realize that most of the matter in the universe is made out of dark matter, invisible matter, this elusive matter that holds the galaxy together. If it wasn't for dark matter, by the way, we wouldn't be here. Uh, the Earth would have been flung into deep space, the galaxy would have flown apart, the Milky Way galaxy would be unstable. So we need dark matter, but we've never observed it in the laboratory. And that's why this result, if it holds up, is so stunning. And the reason why you and your colleagues are so convinced that dark matter is everywhere and has, has to be there in, in the quantities that you theorize is because nothing else that we observe explains the amount of gravitational energy that would be required to hold everything in place. Uh, that's why you say the Milky Way would, would fly off into space or the Earth would fly off into space if it wasn't for dark matter. Is that the deal? Yeah, well, if the Milky Way galaxy spins very fast. In fact, it spins 10 times too fast for its own good. By rights, it should fly apart. It should not be stable. In fact, all the galaxies that we measure uh, spin about 10 times too fast. That must mean there must be a halo surrounding the Milky Way galaxy, which is invisible. You can't see it on photographs, that holds the galaxy together. That's 10 times more plentiful than ordinary matter. And with the Hubble Space Telescope, we have now maps of dark matter, light going through this invisible matter, like light going through glass, like your lens or a telescope, bends. And therefore, by looking at the bending of starlight around the galaxies, we can create maps of dark matter. But you see, we want to calculate what happens if dark matter is found in the laboratory. We just don't want to have invisible telescope pictures in the sky. We want to actually create dark matter in the laboratory with the Large Hadron Collider or observe it at the International Space Station. That's why this result just announced yesterday is so potentially spectacular. If it holds up, it means for the first time in human history, we've detected a new form of matter other than atoms. Now, what is the chance that this would turn out like the old ether of the uh, late 19th century that supposedly surrounded everything and explained how 
particles interacted, that uh, there were very famous experiments, and Einstein was a part of the theory that discredited this whole ether thing. Um, the ether at one point was absolutely had to be there, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, what a ridiculous miscalculation. Yes, it's always possible that it's a wild goose chase. That's why we're not handing out the Nobel Prize right now. We have to wait to make sure that it's not a pulsar, an exploding black hole, that also gives off radiation that's been detected at the International Space Station. However, in the coming months and coming year, we're going to get more and more statistics. In fact, uh, many times more statistics that we can get on the surface of the Earth, because we have an atmosphere on the surface of the Earth, of course. In outer space, there's no atmosphere to, pre- to prevent us from from detecting these very exotic subatomic particles. And that's why, you know, in the coming months, we should be able to nail it to the wall. And if it holds up, like I said before, it's the first time in human history that we've detected a new form of matter. This dark matter, by the way, is invisible. If you held it in your hand, it would be invisible. But then it would actually go right through your fingers, right through the center of the Earth, and go all the way to China as if the Earth didn't exist. That's why it's so exotic. It goes right through ordinary matter like a ghost. And let me, uh, you know, help me out here as, as much as I've been able to glean from reports, et cetera. The footprint that's been detected here is a positron, which would be the result of a collision. And like the old cloud chambers, which detected cosmic rays and saw the paths that they took through the clouds in the chamber, you could tell by the direction what the origin was. So if a positron is aimed in one direction, it's from dark matter. If it's aimed in another direction, it might be from a pulsar. Is that basically what's going on here? Uh, yes. You see, dark matter itself is invisible. You cannot hold it in your hand. It'll go right through your fingers. So how do you measure something that's elusive and ghost-like, like dark matter? What you do is you look for interactions. And when dark matter collides with other dark matter, you get antimatter. Now, antimatter is well-established. We have beams of antimatter. In fact, if you saw the movie Angels and Demons with Tom Hanks, uh, the culprit was a bomb that was made out of antimatter. So dark matter will turn into antimatter matter, and antimatter can, in fact, be observed directly with our sensors. In fact, uh, when you get a PET scan and your, your brain is analyzed in a hospital, they shoot antimatter inside your brain. So antimatter is something that's well-established, well-known, and we see dark matter, uh, we see dark matter indirectly by looking for antimatter, which is well-established. I see. All right, finally, the most important question, there's no parallel universe thing here. We're not going to find out that there's a dark matter version of Michio Kaku in some parallel dark matter world where there's a dark matter takeaway show, that sort of thing? Uh, No, but dark matter does imply parallel universes in the sense that dark matter, we think, is a higher resonance of a vibrating string. We're made out of atoms, and we think that we're nothing but the lowest vibration of tiny little rubber bands called strings. But strings have higher octaves, and dark matter could be the next octave of a vibrating string. And where parallel universes come into the fact is that string theory predicts that there are 11 dimensions, not just the three dimensions that we're familiar with. And so if dark matter holds up and we can show that dark matter is created by higher excitations of a string, then yes, we could be having this conversation in 11 dimensions. All right. We're just getting started on the dimension thing. Good vibrations there from Professor Michio Kaku, theoretical physicist and author of the New York Times bestseller, Physics of the Future. Thanks so much. My pleasure. Oh!